welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again, everybody. It is good to worship with you together. Um, And it is, as I mentioned, the ninth day of Christmas. And for the church, historically, Christmas was a season rather than just one day. And so we're still singing Christmas songs together and enjoying that. And we're focusing on the life and the events around the birth and the infancy of Christ. This coming week is going to mark a change in season. We're going to get to the season of Epiphany on January 6th on Thursday. And then next Sunday we'll be celebrating the Sunday after Epiphany. And we'll be considering in the season of Epiphany how the good news about the light of the world is good news to the nations and to our neighborhoods, to our homes, to us individually. In today's reading... We pick up exactly where we left off on Christmas Eve. I know a lot of you were traveling Christmas Eve, so I'll sort of summarize. On Christmas Eve, we were still in the same chapter of the Gospel of Luke, but in some earlier verses. We looked at the ways that the shepherds proclaimed the good news about Jesus Christ after they had received messages from angels about the coming Messiah. And we looked at the way that Mary treasured up all those words and gestures of God's goodness in her heart to adore the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God when things were appearing less suitable uh, than they would expect for the coming King of Heaven. And at the end of eight days now is where we come to Mary and Joseph. They had Jesus circumcised. That was actually celebrated in a feast day yesterday. Uh, It was another token of their faithfulness to the God of Israel. And they gave him the name Jesus, which was the name that the angel Gabriel had told them, you shall name him Jesus because he's going to be bring salvation to Israel. And as we move along now in the gospel of St. Luke, we come to an event that happens about a month after Jesus is born. We discover what I'm going to describe as portraits of faithfulness in this chapter. Each of the portraits is unique. We find Mary and Joseph as a portrait. We find Simeon as another portrait. Then we find Anna as another portrait. Each story shows us something that we all individually struggle with in waiting for the glory of God to be revealed. And we find in each story someone who is faithful to God amidst their own unique challenges. You and I are invited into the story of God's faithfulness and God's redemption. I like to think of it a bit like a mosaic. I mean, when you look closely at a mosaic and and each piece is going to be a, a unique shape, a unique color, a unique size. An artist has to assemble each of those pieces into a large, more beautiful picture. And if you look too closely at one small piece or even one small section, you might miss the grander picture that's happening in the mosaic. But once you step back and you look at that whole thing, the individual pieces make sense within that larger image. Each of our stories is unique. And each of our stories has its own contours and trials and joys. We each have unique gifts. We each have unique life experiences. 
And we also have unique pain points and places that we long for God to come and to heal. And each of us are going to live out our story of faithfulness in a unique way that God is assembling into a mosaic uh, that depicts his faithfulness with others in his story of redemption. And what we learn from St. Luke's gospel this morning through Mary and Joseph and then through Simeon and through Anna is that we live into God's story of redemption when we first offer what little we have. We live into God's story of redemption when we entrust ourselves to God's plan and to his timing. And then we live into God's story of redemption each day when we renew ourselves in his grace. So let's look first at the first portrait of grace, which is Mary and Joseph. The first thing that we discover about Mary and Joseph, about them being part of God's story, is that God makes no apology for what he's given them. It's exactly what he's intended. Um, And it's exactly what he wants them to be faithful with. Mary and Joseph, they have their little boy who they faithfully circumcise on the eighth day in the law of Moses. You know, that that little boy uh, is required to be circumcised after the eighth day. And then after a 40 day process of purification, they're supposed to come to the temple and offer sacrifices to God, which they do. Others have pointed out the fact that when we hear about what Mary and Joseph offer, all they're offering is a couple of birds, a couple of small birds at that. And what that probably indicates is their um, lowness in the socioeconomic class of the society around them. They're poor. And so remember back to Christmas Eve that this entire chapter of Luke chapter 2 began with, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. So there's this huge contrast in the gospel about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Jesus's kingdom, Caesar's kingdom. Caesar's reign is characterized by opulence and show. But Jesus's reign began with poor parents in a small town. It might have been tempting then for Mary and Joseph to doubt God's promise to them because really, what do they have to offer? They're not very important and they know that. They really didn't have much. But what they did have, they offered faithfully back to God. And I find in that a helpful principle that comparison can be a really uh, subtle enemy to faithfulness to God. You know, we can often think if I can't do something as good as so and so or, you know, if I don't have a large home, as large a home as so and so, or if I can't give as much as so and so, then it's not worth doing it. It's not worth hosting it. It's not worth giving it. But what Mary and Joseph teach us is that faithfulness is weighed. It's not counted. And quite frankly, it's not actually for, our, for God's benefit. It's for ours. It's qualitative. It's not quantitative. And here's what I mean by that. Mary and Joseph know what God commands of them, and then they do it. They're not offering things beyond their means because they think that's what a king should have. They're not trying to announce that they're important because this one-month-old king of the Jews is going to bring them notoriety. That's not what they're doing. They're waiting on God's timing. They're recognizing what God's given them. And they're saying, how can I be faithful with that right now? We should always be discerning what God's given us uh, and, and what he would like for us to offer back to him in worship and in sacrifice. 
We shouldn't spend an inordinate amount of time on those things that we don't have, those things that we're longing for, wish we could offer him. And I think about that a lot, actually, not just individually, but I think about that with church planting quite a bit. Where is God at work in this community right now? Who's come? Who's plugged in? What gifts do they have? What are the gifts of this community? Because I know that each of us have gifts individually, but then when I look corporately at this body, there are gifts that this body has as a corporate entity. And rather than trying to be the church that we're not, or creating programs that we think we ought to have because somebody else has it, what we do is we begin with faithfulness right here and right now with what God has given us right now. And each of us has a unique role to play then in building up the church. We can be faithful as the church with who God's brought so far and with what uh, we can and with um, and if we're faithful with that, then as people come and they visit and they plug into this community, they have something healthy to plug into. That's really important. When people come, they can still be transformed by the means of grace and the sacraments in worship and in community. And yet it's not going to look like the church even across the hall or, or down the road. And that's okay. The reason for the difference isn't a mark of faithfulness necessarily. It's just that there's different people, there's different gifts, there are different resources in different churches. Um, There are large healthy churches, there are large unhealthy churches. There are small healthy churches, there are small unhealthy churches. But faithfulness discerns what God has given, and then it seeks to offer it back to him in worship and in community. And, and then that builds up his kingdom in the church. Mary and Joseph encourage us with a picture of faithfulness that is sacrificial, that's obedient, uh, and it's obedient with what we have rather than chasing after what we don't. And the power of God is in that humility of embracing limits. It's not in chasing opulence uh, and Caesar's wealth. So we want our lives to matter and to be a part of God's greater redemption story. And one of the things that we find out in this is that they do. Um, But that participation in that story is a matter of faithfulness with the little that we have and not striving for something else. And so if Mary and Joseph teach us about faithfulness and what we have, then Simeon teaches us that entering into God's redemptive story involves entrusting ourselves to God's plan and his timing. As we enter into yet another year of the pandemic, how many of you are tired? Right? Like you can raise your hands at this point. Uh, it's okay. I want you to know you're not alone. Um, so, yes. And so remember when we were so glad that 2020 was ending? I mean, you can sort of remember those memes about, oh, we got through 2020, but then you get to 2021. And what happened? New variants. We had like a taste of freedom with no masks for like a week. And then we had to throw the masks back on. And, and so then Delta came and we get to the beginning of 2022 and maybe we think, man, this is going to be the year. I am so glad that 2021 is now over. Um, And I want to challenge that, right? So we're in this new year now, but let's not put pressure on ourselves that 2022 is going to be easier than 2021 or 2020. It may not be. And second, let's not lose sight of the fact that God was actually very faithful in 2021. So 
I had the opportunity to give the annual update just a few weeks ago before, before Christmas began. And the feedback from you all was generally, it was really encouraging to see how faithful God was in 2020, 2021. And, and as we think about that, actually, you know, Grace, you got an honorable mention in that annual report. And so we're happy to have you here with us this morning. So people's lives are being changed in community. And, and so I agree that the pandemic, it makes things way slower than we want it to. Uh, it, it makes things different than we would like them to be. And, you know, quite frankly, it's really hard when you have to quarantine for five days when you have the sniffles. I get it. And that's really hard. Um, but as we often return to and have had to return to since the beginning of this church plan, the answer is patience and entrusting ourselves to God's timing. It's not frustration or walking away. We want to press into real community then, and we don't want to shy away from it. Simeon was a faithful older man. He was wise. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was patient, and he was waiting for the plan of God to unfold. So when Mary and Joseph come to the temple, the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to bless and to prophesy over this child and over Mary and Joseph. And his blessing is filled with messianic imagery that you find from the prophecy of Isaiah, which we've gotten to read a lot of over the last month or so. But one of the surprising lines occurs in verse 35, where he says, And a sword will pierce your own soul also. He says that to Jesus' parents. It's not going to be a straightforward path to the victory of God. Um, victory is going to come. But that path is going to have some really unexpected points of pain. And no one could ever know at this point what kind of pain Mary was going to go through in seeing her adult son unjustly suffer and be crucified at the hands of Jewish and Roman leadership. No one could know that at that point. How is this going to bring the kingdom of God? And why was the advancement of of God's kingdom allowed to break Mary's heart? But the word that she had originally spoken uh, to the angel probably came up again and again for her. It's that, be it to me according to thy word. Be it to me according to thy word. It's, it's a similar faith that we find here, I think, in Simeon, who it says was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He'd entrusted himself not just to God's plan about the Messiah, but even to the timing And and this is one of the characteristics of faithfulness. We don't rush past what God is doing right now. We stop. We look around. We take it in. We sit with God. And we say, Lord, be it to me according to thy word. And so if we learn from Joseph and Mary about being faithful with what we have, and we learn from Simeon to entrust ourselves to God's will and to his timing, in the last portrait of faithfulness, we encounter Anna, this prophetess who teaches us and encourages us to make each day an opportunity to be renewed by God's grace within his redemption story. So it's somewhat abrupt. All of a sudden, the camera switches and the camera focuses in on Anna, this older prophetess who the text Uh, Describes as an elderly prophetess who lives in the temple. She'd been married and she was now a widow. She lived in the temple and seemed to be known by the people around for her faithfulness in prayer and in fasting. 
she began giving thanks to God for the redemption that was found in this little child who was brought to the temple. It's amazing to think that the fullness of God had been dwelling in this infant. Right? Simeon and Anna are looking at a little baby at this point, and they're seeing God's hope for the nations. They're not seeing a Caesar-like figure. They're looking at an infant. This little baby was like one month old, which means he was alternating between these newborn cries, feeding on Mary, going to the bathroom, sleeping. Right? This is a little infant. And this child was swaddled up, being held in Mary and Joseph's arms. And that same child who, as God sustains, is the same one who, as God, sustains the universe that we all live in. And Anna and Simeon look forward to being part of the story that that baby was a part of. So as Anna's physical labors diminished, her spiritual labors were increasing. As her physical labors were decreasing, her spiritual labors were increasing. And as long as Anna had breath, God's plan for her was not done. Anna encourages me a lot because I've had conversations with people who say something like, you know, I've messed up way too much in my life to be useful to God. Uh, Or they might say, you know, I don't feel like my life has benefit for other people or... Well, I'm past my prime at this point, and so it's probably too late to do something meaningful. Um, But Anna's life was probably upended when her husband died. And we don't really know much else about her other than she was a widow and a prophetess. But one thing that we know about her is that she did not give up. She stayed faithful to God's gifting that he had placed on her. And that led her to a life of prayer in the temple where she lived to pray and to fast. To be in communion with God and to intercede for the needs of Israel. And as long as God has given you and I breath, each day is a new opportunity to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. The hope of Israel, who's also the savior of the nations. Regardless of the ways that situations in life are going to become upended for us. Faithfulness is marked by the ability to carry on in prayerful hope like Anna. We're not beyond the reach of God's grace Um, And today, if you're feeling like that, today is the perfect day to begin new with him. You don't need a new year to do it, but you can have a new day each day to do that. The gospel is good news to the young, to the old, to the married, to the single and to the widow. Anna reminds us of the ways that prayer fortifies faithfulness and the ways that faithfulness guides us into answered prayer. And so as you and I this morning consider our own stories in our life with God, we are invited to this redemptive story that God is telling in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who we're celebrating this Christmas. And we're called to be faithful with what little we have and with the limits that God has put on us. And then we're called to entrust ourselves to God's plan and his timing for these things. And we're called to renew ourselves every day in God's grace. And as we consider this new year as a church plant and individually, let's walk together in the Holy Spirit. Let's grow deeper in obedience to Christ. Let's grow deeper um, in a richer experience of God's grace and community together. Let me pray for us. Oh God, the light of the minds that know you, the life of the souls that love you, and the strength of the wills that serve you. 
Help us so to know you that we may truly love you, and so to love you that we may fully serve you, whom to serve is perfect freedom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.